You're listening to For the Love of Avocados, a podcast by Mission Produce. With almost four decades of fresh avocado experience, we're here to guac about tips and tricks, avocado farming, marketplace trends, and everything in between. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Hello and welcome to the third episode of For the Love of Avocados, the new podcast brought to you by Mission Produce. I'm your host, Patrick Cortez. And today on the show, I I really anticipate us to have a very compelling conversation around what is becoming a very hot button topic, which is sustainability. Here at Mission Produce, we just recently launched our first ESG report, Environmental, Social, and Governance. And in that report, we talked about uh, exactly what our water usage is, our carbon footprint, our recycling efforts, what we're doing to improve the local communities in which we operate. And in there, we put some really distinct measured goals around reducing our plastic usage, reducing food waste, which is a huge topic of conversation. And today on the show, I'm I'm really pleased to bring in uh, two very, very big powerhouses in our world. One is Caitlin Liebert. She's the head of sustainability for Chipotle Mexican Grill. And Annabella De Freeman, she is a senior manager for sustainability and strategic initiatives for produce for Walmart, obviously the largest retailer in the world. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Let's dive right into the roundtable now as we bring in the head of sustainability for Chipotle, Caitlin Liebert. Caitlin, how are you today? I am well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. And Annabella De Freeman, she is a senior manager for sustainability at Walmart. Annabella, thank you so much for your time today. How are you? Very good. Excited to be with you. Good. Looking forward to the conversation. And I think as generic as this is going to sound, I want to start with how both of your companies define sustainability. What does that mean? I mean, it's a, it's a buzzword that is very much becoming top of mind globally, but specifically, what does that mean? And Caitlin, let's start with you. When I say, what does sustainability mean for Chipotle? Yeah, great question. Um, I, I think we look at it uh, mainly in three key areas, food and animals, people, and the environment. These are the three Uh, most material areas for us to focus on sustainability. And all of that is done under this greater mission of cultivating a better world. Um, So for us, that's what sustainability looks like at Chipotle. Annabella, same question to you. What what does sustainability mean for Walmart? Well, for us, it's very similar. Sustainability is the intersection where we are looking after the planet and looking after the people and make business decisions uh, to serve and and to respect both the planet and the people. Yeah, good. That's good to know, because I think a lot of people like to say, yeah, we want to be sustainable, but they don't necessarily know what that means. I I think the other thing, too, when I when I look at Mission Produce and, and we just recently released our first ESG report, we we talked a lot about food waste. So I think that's where I want to go next. And, and both of you have two very different fights when it comes to food waste. And I'll start with Annabella here, because obviously you can do so much in your supply chain, Annabella, to fight food waste. But the majority of, of food waste, as we know, happens at the home level. But when I say fighting food waste, 
How, how important of, of a factor is that for Walmart? And what specifically are, are you doing in terms of trying to combat that through your supply chain? Absolutely. Food waste is very important to Walmart. We have commitments of zero waste in our own operations. And as you were saying, when the product goes home, we have, by including best use by in the packaging, then the consumer has a better idea when to use the product by and and reduce the waste at the home. And um, we also have many programs when there is food that cannot be sold anymore, that we partner with food banks around the country uh, to support and to give that food that is still edible to people that, that are in need of, of food. Oh, that's great. That's great. And, and Caitlin, for you, obviously, Chipotle is very much touting the fact that nothing comes in pre-processed, that everything is is produced back of house for the freshest ingredients, for the freshest flavor. But that also brings in certain challenges when it comes to food waste, right? Because you're having to prepare everything. What is it that Chipotle is, is looking to try to do in this space as well to combat and I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination, it's a it's a, a big problem that Chipotle faces, but it's something to be concerned about. So what is it that Chipotle is doing to, to you know, be cognizant of that? Yeah, such a great point, Patrick. So we do have a unique uh, waste makeup because of the result that we are um, working with so much fresh produce in the back of house. So often when we hear these food waste statistics, a lot of them are referencing edible food waste. You know, we're really proud of the, the way that we're looking at food waste. It's multifold. One is before it even gets to our restaurant, as you know, as one of our suppliers, we're really passionate about reducing as much of that waste as possible by partnering with, with our suppliers, understanding what are the dynamics that we, the levers that we could pull um, in order to incorporate as much of that uh, you know, ingredient as possible. Um, and then once it gets to our restaurants, um, you know, for us, we obsess over this concept of food with integrity, right? right? And once an ingredient has used, it has served its purpose at a restaurant, we don't feel like it just inherently loses that integrity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a great example is an avocado, right? That pit in that fruit, the, the, the shell, you know, that is unique to Chipotle, right? We are um, a major purchaser of avocados. What are we doing with that inedible food waste? This is not, you know, food waste that we could donate. It's not something that's going to be helpful to feeding people in need. And so we try and look at it with innovation. Certainly we try, we're, we're composting uh, kitchen scraps at, at over 800 of our restaurants right now, which is great, but can we get even more creative? You may have seen that we um, upcycled about 60,000 avocado pits last year into a natural dye line for our, our Chipotle goods, which is pretty cool. So we made sweatshirts and t-shirts out of that. Um, the edible food component of it, you know, we're also looking at, okay, because we obsess so much about food with integrity, we pay a premium for food with integrity. And therefore we have to be really careful about food waste. And because we don't cook in batches, we're cooking small all throughout the day for the line. 
we have really been able to dial in the amount of edible food waste we have at the end of the night, which is really important. And the food waste that we do have, each and every one of our restaurants has the opportunity to donate it through something we call the Harvest Program, which is a food donation program. So we're trying to tackle food waste, not just throughout the supply chain, which is super important and a big part of the challenge, we know, but also at our restaurants, both through the um, edible foods that we are eating um, and then the inedible food waste that we are working with our teams to try and minimize as much waste as we have. We compost it wherever we can right now. And then we're also trying to get inventive about it. Yeah, that's great. And I, and I honestly, that's a big reason why I wanted to have both of you on on the podcast today, because it's so easy to talk the talk, but I think Walmart and Chipotle both walk the walk. And I think another area where you've got to talk and walk in addition to food waste is, is responsible packaging. And obviously this affects Walmart more than a Chipotle because Chipotle is buying a lot of bulk ingredients. So Annabelle, I want to start with you. Packaging serves a very important purpose, right? It's, it's, it's vital for food safety. It's vital for shelf life extension. And I think there's been a vilification recently of plastic where plastics become essentially a four letter word. And, and, and by no means am I saying plastic, there, there aren't better alternatives to plastic, but until local infrastructures can handle compostability and, and different other aspects of material, packaging isn't going away. So what, what's Walmart's take on packaging, your thoughts, because it does play a vital role and it is valuable for consumers, but we also have to be responsible about it. So what, what are your thoughts when it comes to packaging? You're absolutely right. Packaging, in some cases, there's need to still have uh, packaging, either because the customer is buying in bulk or because it, it just needs to protect the freshness and the integrity of the product. What we recommend is that our suppliers assess their packaging. In collaboration with packaging experts, we developed the packaging playbook that is considered a best-in-class resource that it's free and available to all suppliers regardless of whether they sell to us or not. So even anybody that is listening today can access the packaging playbook that is in our sustainability hub um, website. And assess your packaging against, against these uh, guidelines that the packaging playbook has. Eliminate plastic where it's possible. And if you can't, then redesign for recyclability. Encourage also customer education through pack labeling. In our private brands, for example, we use the how to recycle label. And we aim to have 100% label by 2022 so that when a consumer takes something home, they know what to do after they use it. Does it go to landfill? Does it go to the recycling bin? Do I need to return it to a store because they will pick up the plastic bags there? So everything that, that we are addressing in packaging, we are encouraging our suppliers to set goals, to redesign for recyclability, to help. We are also supportive of the U.S. Plastics Pack that is a 
a coalition where people from and companies and organizations from different industries, not only retail, food retail, but many industries are collaborating to find solutions for those uh, types of packaging that are still, that there's still no solutions for them at this point. And we're happy that um, as of last year, about 55% of our private brand packaging is already recyclable or reusable or industrially compostable. So we are on the path to, to reaching our goal and encouraging all the other suppliers of national brands to, to address their packaging as well. Yeah, that's great. And, and yeah, definitely something that's on the forefront for mission produce as well. You know, we've made a commitment to reduce our plastic usage by 50% in, in our ESG report. And, and Caitlin, you know, a lot of the produce that Chipotle brings in is in bulk, but you still have plastic because if people buy a burrito bowl, they've got to have utensils. And, and, you know, I, I know some of those aren't made with plastic, but you still have single use utensils. So what's the attitude of Chipotle in terms of how they approach just some aspects that you just can't get around in running a business? Yeah, I, I think it's a really great question. And again, I'll, I'll dissect it into two components. You know, you have all, everything packaging is we often think of packaging as consumer facing, right? What is, what are we serving our food in? And I think that's what gets the most attention, which fair enough. Through the waste audits though, and we dive in, you'll see that the majority of the waste that are at restaurants actually um, in terms of packing waste is coming from what are ingredients and what are different materials are being shipped in. So over 55% of the packaging that is at our restaurants is cardboard, um, which tells me that recycling needs to be a huge priority for us at our restaurants, which is why we recycle it over 90% of our restaurants, right? So I think for us, packaging is both what we serve our food in um, and, and what that food comes in and that, that what our, what our food comes in essentially to the restaurant is an often forgotten part of packaging that I, I just like to highlight as part of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I do understand why consumer facing packaging gets the most attention. It's an important part. And to your point as a QSR, um, disposables are part of the nature of the beast for us. Um, we are testing reusables at a handful of stores. Um, I don't anticipate that's going to be rolled out everywhere. In the near future, there's complications, right, to, to rolling that out everywhere. So what do we do that, that we have to have for, for the demands of our customers? And I think, you know, we try and make it as sustainable as possible. Um, you know, we were one of the first restaurants to, um, actually, we were able to eliminate some plastic. Our old bowl, if you might remember, uh, was more of a white color. It was actually made from um, recycled newsprint. Um, and in order to make it food safe, we had a thin layer of stick that was you know, coated that, that went over the top of that. Um, and of course, um, it was the, the impetus to change was twofold. One was certainly sustainability driven. The other was this fact that newsprint um, the, wasn't happening, frankly, right? I mean, less people were reading newspapers. And so one of the inputs that, that we had for our bowl um, the biggest input was um, a dying art, so to speak. So it really forced us to innovate early on. Um, and we came across 
um, this idea of bagasse, which is, you know, the sugarcane byproduct, looked at a variety of different things. Um, but that was one way that we were able to mitigate plastic. Um, the alternatives to plastic, um, we continue to look at and we continue to pilot. We've made commitments to pilot even more this year, which is great. There is this um, truth that is that they are more expensive. Um, that doesn't mean we aren't looking at them and it doesn't mean that we aren't um, going to roll them out at some point, uh, continue to roll them out. It's just that understanding the business impact of what that looks like is uh, challenging. And it also is a challenge of, to your point, what actually happens to it on the back end? We need to make sure that that's twofold, right? It's not just about where um, this material comes from, but where it's ultimately going that we care as well. Yeah. And I think that's a great point, you know, because everyone gets so focused on the consumer facing side of things. Like recently at Mission, we, you know, we reduced the the cardboard we put in our corrugated lugs, you know, what we send to, to Chipotle and we remove corner boards and strapping. And, uh, you know, it's had a pretty big impact on because, you know, just with the, the, the sheer amount of avocados we send on a yearly basis. So I think that's, that's a very uh, good insight on, on your end in terms of, you know, what the consumer doesn't see and, and what you're looking to do. So I want to get into a couple of specifics about each of your businesses. The, the first one, Annabella, I want to start with you because recently Walmart had their produce supplier sustainability summit. And one of the big things they committed, you committed to are pollinators. And I was really pleased to see this because I don't really think the consumer, I know the consumer doesn't understand how important bees and pollinators are to agriculture. And there's just not enough emphasis that's placed upon it. How does how does that strategy overlay into Walmart's sustainability goals as it relates to pollinators? You're right. A lot of people do not know how much we all rely on pollinators. About 75% of the crops that we eat come thanks to pollinators. For example, avocados, bananas, um, orange juice, coffee, apples. And, and I can keep on naming many. How does it fit? Because in last year, in September, our, our CEO committed, Doug McMillan committed Walmart to become a regenerative company. And one that is in business to be sustainable for the planet and the people and, and to protect nature by doing that. So part of this commitment to, um, for nature, we announced our, our pollinator position in which we want to address it by having integrated pest management. We understand that there's about five major risks to pollinators, the loss of habitat, the threat of certain uh, pesticides, pathogens, climate change, and, and we needed to address all of them. So the pollinator position of Walmart is first and foremost that, that we address our sustainable farming with integrated pest management. Many farmers have that in place already, and we want to make sure that they are robust 
practices, and we're asking them to have it verified by a third party. And the second is to have to promote habitat for for pollinators. We're encouraging our suppliers to to set aside land either that they own, that they operate, or where they invest in to have pollinator habitat. We're also making it easier for our, our consumers to, to go buy plants in our garden centers that are labeled, um, that they attract pollinators so that they can start their own pollinator garden at home. I have my a few this week and I'm just waiting. We're gonna have a big freeze uh, coming in tomorrow. <laughs> but this weekend we're gonna start planting our pollinator garden at home. So is everybody um, either as consumers or uh, with our suppliers and also in our own operations, we have 21 stores already with pollinator gardens and and, and other facilities as well. So encouraging everybody to, to take a part and do something to help pollinators. Yeah, that, it, that's great. You know, I live here in Los Angeles and, and my wife and I and the kids were members of the LA Zoo and, and they had a pollinator exhibit. And, you know, it, I, I was so happy to see that because, you know, people hear bees and they're not nah, bees, but they don't understand that without bees, we wouldn't have produce. And so uh, I, I was glad to see Walmart take, take that stance. You know, Caitlin, so Chipotle just recently put out their sustainability report for 2020. And, and you have a letter that you wrote in the report and in there, your, your big quote is more than anything, 2020 also showed us how connected we really are a fundamental principle of sustainability. We are all in this together and our impact and contributions affect the collective whole. I found that to be a very interesting quote. And I was hoping you could expound a little bit on, on exactly the meaning of, of what you're saying there. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, thank you for reading the report. Um, if you read that letter, you got uh, over a hundred pages in. So congratulations. It's a <laughs> oh, it was great. It was fan. It was, it was fantastic. Oh, it's a big document, but we're really proud of it. So we appreciate the support. Um, yeah. I, you know, look, I think sustainability um, sometimes thought of as a, a nice to have and, and B sort of, okay, business as usual operates and then sustain comes in and makes it better. But essentially when you think about um, these principles that, that we vote even at thing, right? Each one of these most material areas operates within one another, right? You, you, you have um, a focus on food and animals without understanding grown and the soil that they're grown in and the people who are growing it and farming that land and picking that produce, right? So I think um, under connectivity of all of these sustainability um, things is super important, right? N none of these operate in isolation. Um, and when, if you've ever been lucky enough to, to interact with a mind map or, or sort of look at how these things connect. Um, it's like the, the root of a tree, right? I mean, it's so interconnected in these. We know that, um, you know, there is a link between 
um, each one of these concepts and all of the concepts within sustainability that trigger the other, right? So um, we know that poverty and the conversation around poverty can't happen without a conversation around equity. And if we're talking about equity, we can't have a co you know, conversation without equity without talking about racial justice, right? And if we're talking about racial justice, see how the list goes on, right? So for us, um, I, I think in this world, if you work in sustainability, you understand that it is all interconnected. So when something like a pandemic happens, you know, your first thought might not be how that impacts the environment. It might not be how it impacts our food chain, but I guarantee you at the end of 2020, you knew that, right? You heard the stories and, and maybe you saw that and felt that at the grocery store. And I think that that's um, at the very least, right? Those of us in the business obviously felt it um, for sure. But I think um, this interconnectivity is an important concept. It is about all those things that I just spoke about. And it's also not happening in a silo. It's not happening in a vacuum. We, what, the choices that we make um, affect others essentially. And that's a really key fundamental principle of sustainability, right? The idea of enough for all forever, right? Mm -hmm. It takes something and somebody understanding that my actions have an impact. It, it's about what do I, what, what is that impact? Um, am I happy with that? I improve that impact. That's just a fundamental concept around sustainability. Okay. So to, to piggyback off of that, Caitlin, it was the next subject I wanted to broach with with you and Annabella is diversity, inclusion, and equity. And sustainability, a lot of times we focus on environmental and social, you know, because that's that's where your head goes. But I think we're seeing this this trend on diversity, inclusion, and equity. So when when I say that, what does that mean to Chipotle and, and why is it important? Yeah, it's a key component for us um, and it has been and it'll continue to be. So we we call diversity, equity and inclusion. So DE and I slightly different rearrangement. Sorry, but for, <laughs> no, we're good. It's all the you know, it's it's all hitting up the same thing. And I think, you know, we have these core values and one of them is that authenticity lives here. That is a core value of who we are. We want you to show up to work and be the best version of yourself exactly as you are. Um, and, you know, I think you cannot have gone through 2020 without understanding um, the systemic racism that exists, right? And as a um, employer of I, I, you know, running the stats, I think we have, I think over 66% of our employees um, self-identify as, as BIPOC. So, um, you know, uh, people of color. And I think that that is understanding, understanding that means that we have to acknowledge and support. Um, we have to make sure that we're an employee of choice um, for the BIPOC community um, and continue to be an employer of choice for them, right? Um, we have always been invested in this. We'll continue to invest in it. We certainly doubled down last year as it was appropriate to do so, um, you know, committing a middle, uh, a million dollars to fighting uh, systemic racism, racial injustice. And I was part of a really moving program, which I loved. I'm, I serve as a, you know, the executive sponsor of our uh, serves ERG or employee resource group around community service. And for the first time, we were able to tap into our GM's brains in a lot of ways and ask them, who should we be giving money to in your community with this program called the Community Outreach Grants? 
And that was a quarter of a million dollars, so $250,000 awarded to um, these really important community organizations that our general managers nominated. So the reason why I highlight that is because A, from the top down, you know, Brian, our CEO, um, has been public about his commitment to DEI. We have a section of it in the sustainability report that highlights some of these efforts. It's not enough just to have a section in the sustainability report, frankly. We, we are continuing to commit goals in this area, track progress transparently, and will continue to do that. So top down, it needs to be there. But also, we need to give our people the, the voice and, uh, and steering wheel of saying, this is where we should bring money. Um, this is where you can help my community, Chipotle, as one of your employees. So I'm really proud of some of the work that we've started to do. And I say that intentionally. It is a we're continuing to commit to this in new ways. Um, and I look forward to seeing our progress um, around these efforts continue to grow. Yeah, that, that's that's great. Good stuff, Caitlin. Thank you so much for that. Annabella, Walmart's clientele consumer is about as diverse as it gets uh, at the retail level. So what are your thoughts on in this space? This space and, and we have more people in the company working in this specific space than than what I do in in my role of sustainability for produce. So there is much more beyond what I do, but we have in the company for associates being able to come and 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 be your true self at work, being able to to be respected in in all ways and forms. Um, we have for specifically around diversity investment uh, of the center of equity that, that started last year with a commitment of $100 million um, to promote equity and diversity as, as a systemic issue that, that we all need to to work around, it, specifically for, for produce, let me bring it back again, is helping suppliers also recognize and working with them on how do we promote that dignity of workers in the supply chain. Um, we recently also announced that we are endorsers of the ethical charter, that is the code of conduct that, that was developed to promote that respect and dignity of people in the supply chain. And we're encouraging all our suppliers to endorse it as a very first step on having a common language among the industry of produce and, and floral. And we, we believe, we're strong believers that by starting with this common practice um, that we will also have better supply chain. Yeah, I, it, great stuff, great, great points. And I think in addition to first and foremost, the North Star being it's the right thing to do to treat people with dignity, if, if you're doing those sorts of things, Annabella, that you talk about, you, you've got more productive workers. You've got happier workers. And at the end of the day, we're, you know, we all work for for-profit businesses. And if you've got a productive, happy workforce, 
they're going to be more efficient and they're going to produce better. And that's going to be better for business. In addition to, like I said, you know, the, the, the backbone of it being the right thing to do. So as we close up the conversation, a, a couple of questions, one is when it comes to produce sustainability, what keeps you up at night? And I'll start with Caitlin. Oh, sure. Just a uh, quick love over here. Um, <laughs> look, you know, I think I wouldn't be good at what I did if I wasn't constantly thinking about areas of opportunity, right? I think um, those of us in this business um, are keenly aware that, that there is this urgency and, and ooh, what's the word? It's, it's a, there are so many challenges. These are big, big global challenges around sustainability. So um, I, I, I want to preface this by saying that I worry all the time about many things, <laughs> not, not just produce. But I think when it comes to produce, you know, I, I think there's a, uh, there's a variety of things that we're looking at. Um, I, I would say, you know, it, look, any sort of um, ingredient, you know, and we're, we're blessed, right? When you, when you think about, you know, we have what, 54 ants? at Chipotle. Um, I, I am sure Annabella is laughing at that, thinking about all the ingredients <laughs> that they have to have at a Walmart. So for us, slightly different beast, right? We get to really dive into each one of those ingredients, as you know, and obsess yes. about each of them. So um, let me just say that I have a unique situation that I really get to dive in and obsess about some of these. I think um, to sum it up, I, I think um, there's a couple of things that I'm thinking about the future of produce. Um, I, I think, you know, the impacts on climate and climate change in general are what keep me up a lot um, amongst all these other things that we talked about today. Um, but how we address climate change, um, the urgency and scale by which we need to do this, um, continue to do this, but really dive in and do it. I think produce has a unique place uh, in that. Um, you know, I think certainly beef gets a lot of attention and there's no way we can right. uh, ignore the impact of, you know, animal husbandry, right? Mm -hmm. and, and growing animals, um, raising animals. But we can't alter the opportunity that exists with produce. So that is something I continually think about. I think produce um, also, um, you know, not unlike any other um, ingredient that we purchase, um, what are the, what's the, the value chain look like, right? What are the conditions um, for everyone throughout that value chain? How are people being treated with integrity throughout that value chain? Again, not particularly unique to produce, but I think it's highly visible in produce, right? And, um, you know, we have talked about this, you and I before, just making sure that, um, you know, we feel great about every aspect of, of value chain, um, making sure that we're proud of each of those ingredients and what to get there. Um, what, what is, you know, how the land's being treated, how the people who um, picked it are being treated, how, the, what's the economics for the farmer? That's a huge one as well. Um, you know, what are some of those challenges? So for me, these are the things that I truly obsess about and um just great now i'll be up about this today, Patrick. so thank you thank you for that i could keep dive all no, day but but you're but you're right at the end of the day you know you want to be able to put your head on the pillow at night and feel good about what you do and i think that's kind of the crux of of what you're getting at and and i think you're absolutely right 
Uh, Annabella, same question for you. What what keeps you up at night as it relates to sustainability, specifically in the produce world? A couple of things. One is surety of supply. I know that that we're looking or that we're facing a growing population, and how are we preparing ourselves? Either are we as the industry does it have enough labor to produce that food? And then when I think of labor, what can Walmart's role be? How can we help equip our suppliers? How can is there things that Farmers in or farm workers in our supply chain, they're probably not thinking about sustainability. And we have the responsibility from our desk to be able to think, how can we make those uh, relationships better so that the suppliers can be better employers? So that is one, the labor, the food security um, talking about climate change, our, is our supply chain addressing greenhouse emissions? Also, are we addressing pollinators? So as we were thinking of coming up with a position with, with for pollinator health, we knew also that our size impacts too many people. So um, some of the things that keep me awake is um, I suggesting recommendations and what are those recommendations? What effects can they have? What consequences, what unintended consequences? And also how can we make it from our sustainability specific for products, for produce, how can I make it easier for our suppliers to become more sustainable in a faster way. Yeah, that's a great point. Because a lot of times growers or suppliers hear sustainability and they think, okay, well, that's going to cost me money. And so I think that's a that's a really smart approach to it, to it, Annabella. So let's close on one final question. Let's have some fun. We're done with the hard hitting stuff. And, and Caitlin, I'll start with you. Carlos Landano, who is the head of supply chain at for Chipotle, who if you've if you've ever seen him speak or been in a meeting with him, it's impossible not to feed off his energy. He he loves to say that Chipotle is a chicken and avocado company. And so that being said, you you have to love avocados. And if you don't, then make it up on the fly. What what's your favorite way to consume avocados? <laughs> First of all, believe it or not, I have never heard that quote from Carlos. And I'm in a really? lot with that guy. Which is- oh, he loves, I think every meeting I have with him, he says it. <laughs> We're just not in enough meetings together. I think that's the problem. Um, and you're so right about his energy. Can you imagine the two of us in a room together? Oh my gosh. No, I, I can't. I'd, I'd be exhausted by the end of a half hour meeting, Caitlin. I had so much passion in one room. Um, <laughs> You know, I think for me, there, <laughs> I'm obsessed with avocados. I think, um, you know, living in uh, Denver and then um, California, there's no shortage of the avocado host situation. Um, but I'm going to go straight old school. Chipotle guac is true best in the business. Um, I am passionate about it. 
I was a fan before I started working for them, uh, working for Chipotle 14 years ago. And it's still my go-to recipe. Also like the most requested recipe um, is our guac. So I gotta go I, old school. And I know it's it feels like it's gotta be fake and me trying to tow the company line, but I'm telling you that Chipotle guac is a brilliant way to eat avocados. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth because when you finished, I was going to say, you're, there you go, towing the company line. But it, it is it is it. hard to beat. It is hard to beat Chipotle guac. There's there's no doubt about it. Uh, Annabella, you know, what about you? What how, how do you like to consume avocados? I make, according to my kids, the best chicken soup. <laughs> of course, it's a chicken <laughs> soup that has um, pulled chicken and rice and vegetables and then I dice avocados and dice uh, tomatoes and you put the avocados and the tomatoes fresh on top and that just make it for when I have very little time or we just want to have a warm very complete meal so you get the vegetables the carbohydrates and the animal and veg and vegetable um vegetal protein all at once. So that's my recipe. Nice. Sounds like home. I love it. I love it. Caitlin Liebert, head of sustainability for Chipotle, Annabelle De Freeman, senior manager, produce sustainability at Walmart. I, I can't tell you how honored I am to have both of you on the show. Uh, I truly respect what both of you do and what both of your companies do uh, as it relates to this space. And, and Mission Produce is, is very honored to be a supplier for both of you. And so thank you again for the time on, on For the Love of Avocados. And uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. Nice to meet you, Annabella. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, nice to meet you, Caitlin, too. Thank you again, both Caitlin and Annabella, for the time and conversation. Uh, I know it was very compelling, and, and I appreciate your insight and outlook is is Chipotle and Walmart very much our industry leaders when it comes to sustainability. Uh, as we always talk about, please get involved in the conversation with us online on our social media channels. And also please feel free to check out our first ESG report. You can find it by going to worldsfinestavocados.com. So thank you again for spending some time with us here on For the Love of Avocados, the new podcast brought to you by Mission Produce. I'm your host, Patrick Cortez, and we will talk to you next month.